hope everybody is having a good morning. If you're saved and you're born again, it should be a good morning for you. And uh, so hopefully what we speak today will be a reminder uh, to you, uh, the goodness of God in your life. And uh, as I was uh, woke up this morning, I, I didn't really have uh, anything. Um, and I know people say that a lot, but um, I really didn't. <laughs> I really didn't have a lot of, of, of anything, a lot of, you know, some thoughts swimming around in your head. But it's amazing how you can get here and be, you feel empty as far as in, Lord, I don't have anything prepared really to, to bring to when you get up here right now and you're so full. I don't know that I'll ever find an ending spot and I don't, don't clinch on me there. We'll, we'll get there, but, um, the Lord really is, um, man, he laid something deep for, it's not deep as in far as, as far as knowing as things we already know, but I thought, I think it's a great reminder, but the, the, uh, title that kept going over in my mind and my family accuses me of doing anything for a laugh. And that's partly true. I won't do just anything for a laugh, but I like to make people laugh and, you need to laugh. Whether you know that or not, you need to laugh. But this kept coming over in my mind and just wouldn't leave me, is don't go through life willy-nilly. <laughs> now, if you're like me, I've used that phrase without a great understanding of what that means. And, you know, I thought to myself, well, it, might, it might pay to find out what that means because you may be using something you don't need to be using. <laughs> so, I, you know, I went to... Um, the dependable Google. <laughs> and I looked up willy-nilly, and what's that mean? And it actually means, that there's actually a definition that goes with it. It means to be without direction or planning. Without direction or planning. But I thought you might be able to remember the don't go through life willy-nilly. I thought you might remember that one a little bit better. But we're going to be taking our text out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I think what prompted some of this was the, the game yesterday that we were watching. And, I'm, you know, for a, a lot of us guys, we came down here and met, and we, we watched the game. And we focused more on eating there for a little while, I think. Didn't we, Brother Ken? <laughs> um, but anyways, it was, it was looking kind of bleak there for a little bit. But they pulled it out, and we were cheering them on. And uh, I was just thinking about that, and... You know, when you, when those teams, especially if they're like, and I, I'm not a football guru, okay, and I, I, just between me and you, I don't really care about football that much. Um, a lot of times I turn, you know, before I would turn it on and I'd wake up and Dan Rather would be on, and I was like, what happened? You know, it was just, that's about how interesting it was to me. But the thing that I got to noticing that when these teams would go up to the line, that if they saw something they didn't like, they either looked to the coach or a coordinator or they called a timeout yeah. and they stepped back and they got a different game plan. Yeah. They didn't just run a play. They needed to run the play uh, that best suited the situation that they were seeing and, and I've seen that a lot, you know, in, in people's lives. <laughs> I'll get to that here in a little bit. It's kind of like that football team. 
They get up in the morning and they see a formation. They just hike the ball and go. And, you know, um, I understand that, um, you know, as I said, they don't go willy-nilly. They just go up and just, the coach's design is not just to go up and say, just hike the ball and whatever happens, happens. And you know what? If it's if we're supposed to win, we'd win, we'll win, and and, and have that kind of a uh, thought. And you know they don't go through that through a, a game or much less a season, uh, and expect to have a position or a job next season. And they stay. They still may be a coach or to be a player, but they won't be able to be the best that they can be without a direction and a plan. And God began to show that to me this morning is you can still be a Christian and born again and on your way to heaven, but if you have a a plan, and when I say not just a plan, but you have the plan in your life, then not only are you, and that doesn't mean you always win every game and everything always happens exactly the way that you want it to, but when you are living according to this word and you're looking at this word and you know this word, when you pull up to the line in life and the enemy's got a formation in front of you that you don't like, you can step back and you can look at the coach and say, we need to get a different game plan. Amen. And we can look at the word of God and we can see what it has to say about the situations in our life. And we don't have to just hock the ball. I told a guy the other day, this is the way I look at this, this Bible here. And we'll get to 1 Corinthians 2 in a minute. So just hold still. Um, I told him, I said, you know, this Bible is like the owner's manual. And I think I've probably used this here before. Um, it's like going to Walmart <clears throat> and buying an entertainment center. And you know us guys, we think we don't need no directions. We'll just, you know, and then at the end of the at the end of that thing, Bo, you've got a handful of screws and and it's leaning and you're having to prop it up with something so it doesn't look bad. But if you would have followed the the manual and yep. putting it together, then you would have a finished product at the end that would be functional and would work and, and be of value. But there's a lot of people that are going through life and they don't know what God's word has to say. And this is the owner's manual. For life. Amen. This is the manufacturer's design for you. Uh, I've used this so many times. It's like using a, a pair of scissors to mow the yard. Well, it will cut grass, but it will not be efficient. And you will, you, if you, but if you use a lawnmower, it's a lot more efficient. And why is that? Because that's what it was made to do. And that's the way a lot of people are living life. They're living a life, but they're not living life according to the way they could be living life if they knew what the owner's manual said. All right. Some of y'all were excited about that. Some of you weren't, but that's all right. I don't want to just go through life. I want to go through life, and I want to win in life. I want to live the life that God wants me to live. I want to live the best that God wants me to have. I don't want to be going through life willy-nilly, okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. That's not the plan that God has for you. 
and we can wake up and, and we're going to get into some things that um, might bother some people that haven't been here long. I'll say that. There's some of you that y'all might preach me down when I start talking some of this stuff, which would be great. So, but anyways, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And let's start in verse 6. I told Brett the other day, this has been a, a major go-to for me. This, this is the John 10, 10 for me. I'll just say that. This, this part right here, whenever I was needing some direction from the Lord, uh, I knew some things. I had some questions that I needed some answers to. And this passage right here helped me tremendously. So I want, I want to share this with you. Starting in verse 6. It says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that came to naught, that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now Paul is about to quote an Old Testament scripture here. He said, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And a lot of times we would read that and it stopped right there. That's as far as it got. And so we would just be like, well, you know, who can really know? Who can really know about God? Who can really know what God's will is? How can we really know about life in itself? And they would stop right there, but I would, I would see this even as a kid, Miss Bonnie. On verse number 10, it said, but. Not B-U-T-T. But. We, we're, that's not the end right there. It says, but God hath revealed. <laughs> God, I, I'm still up here, still, it still blows my mind. That we can stop on verse 9 and not go to verse 10. It says, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. I hope, that, I hope you're getting a revelation of this today. For what, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things. I underlined that in my Bible, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. You want to know why people don't agree with what we're doing? Because this holds no value to them. It's foolishness to them. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? And that's another one they'd stop on that. Who knows the mind of the Lord? That he may instruct him, but, there's another, here it is again, but, we have the mind of Christ. Amen. And I, I thought, I, I have this wrote on the side here, 
through the word, I have access to Christ's thoughts. I am not, I don't have, if even, and when I say ignorant, keep in mind, I'm not calling you stupid. But you don't have to stay uninformed. You don't have to stay without knowledge. Because the Bible says here that I can know all things. And I can know the things that are freely given to me of God. Can we pray very quickly? Father, we thank you that we have your word. God, this is the truth. That we would receive this truth so that it can manifest in our life. That we would yield to this truth. And Father, I realize today that uh, I need your anointing. I'm anointed already and I realize that. But Father, I pray, God, for anointing to speak this word that you've given me. And that they would have the anoint- their ears would have the anointing to hear, Lord, what you have to say. And that we would not just be a hearer of the word, but we would be a doer of the word. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want you to say, I'm not a hearer only. I'm a doer of the word of God. Amen. So I don't want to just be a Christian. I want to be a Christian that is winning in life. Because that's the design that God has for us. Um, I believe that so many Christians, as I said, they're Christians. They've confessed Jesus as their Lord, and that's great. I'm not, I'm not taking anything. That's a very important step. I don't ever want to take anything away from that. But understanding that a lot of people just stop right there, and then it's like, well, I'm saved, and whatever life is going to be, life is going to be. And they run through life willy-nilly. They have no direction. They have no plan. And I don't, honestly, I've thought to myself how many times uh, before in my life have I just read the word just because it was a really good religious thing to do. And certainly reading the word of God is good, right? Would you agree with me on that? Amen. That reading the word of God is good. But what if you read the word of God as in I'm looking at something that I'm about to apply to my life. And it's going to start working in my life and it's going to help me win in life. That's the way I want to look at this. They have, well, it's not that they don't have no plan, but their plan is no plan. That's the plan, is no plan or direction. Hosea 4 and 6, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, that knowledge is not just knowledge of anything, but knowledge of God's His Word. He said, Because thou hast rejected knowledge... I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no more that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Man, I'm thankful that I'm living in a grace dispensation, aren't you? Amen. But I, I looked at that and I thought, wait a minute, God didn't just reject them. They rejected knowledge. So who who was the first one to start rejecting? Man was. It wasn't that God woke up one day and just says, I'm rejecting man. Man had rejected him. Um, There are, and and really the word destroyed means to be cut off. A lot of people are cutting themselves off from the life that God wants them to have because they don't have a knowledge of what the word says over their situations in life. I thought to myself, it came to, to me this morning, a lot of times you get to, 
studying a message and you're just you're studying a message and that's about the gist of it. But you know when you're when you feel like your head's in a can and and you don't really feel all that well and then all of a sudden it says, "Well, I'm teaching these people that they can win in life. I don't have to be sick." So I can rise up and say in, quote, Isaiah 53 and 5 and 1 Peter 2, 24 over my life. And that's been predetermined that that's the truth of God. But I've got to yield to that truth before that truth can manifest. So now I feel real good right now because it's amazing what the anointing can do. But I realize this, that when I leave here, there's a good possibility the enemy is going to do his best to present me with that again. But you know what? We don't just be in defeat because we feel a certain way. We are victorious because of what has already been predetermined in the Word of God as His plan for my life. Um, There's been a lot of players probably have went to the line when the coach said, run this play, and they didn't feel like running that play. But when they ran the play and the result was good, all of a sudden everybody's shouting the victory. So I want to keep in mind at the end of this thing, it's not how I'm feeling right now, not me or you or whatever the situation you may be going through. It is not what I'm feeling right now that I'm looking for. I'm not shooting for a feeling as much as I'm looking at the end result. Because we have to be predetermined from the beginning that what's going to happen on the end is what I'm looking to, not everything in between. And that's hot off the presses. I don't even have that in my notes. So there you go. But anyways... We see here that, that man was the one doing the rejecting. Man cut themselves off. It wasn't that God cut them off. Man cut himself off from God. And there are a huge percentage of church people that believe that everything happens for a reason. And God had a reason for that to happen. And you need to just stick your nose back down to the grind and be a good little Christian and quit asking questions. And that nothing happens unless it was the will of God or he allowed it. Now I feel like I'm on the end of the walking plank, Dylan. (laughs) But the Lord don't leave us. Because if we go back to Hosea 4 and 6, we see this. This kind of thinking will destroy you and and reject the goodness of God working in your life. This is the equivalent to a football team running up to the line and just running any old play. Because if it's meant for them to score, then it'll happen regardless of what they do. And that is the way a lot of people live life. It's like, you know, I'm just going to get up and go on. Whatever happens, happens. But I, and let's go to Romans 12. These are, and the reason I'm saying these things, I want you to understand, I've not went to RCC my whole life. Okay? I didn't have the privilege like a lot of you of being under Pastor Tom and being under Pastor Susan all these years and gleaning their knowledge and the anointing that's in their life. But there were some things in my life that I was like, wait a minute. Especially the first Corinthians chapter two, I would read that as like, you mean so I can really know? I can really have an understanding That everything that's uh, happening to me may not be the will of God. So in Romans 12, this was another powerful uh, moment for me when I read this. And I'll I'll just start in verse 1. The meat of this is in verse 2. Paul said, excuse me, 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Let me tell you right now, when you lay down, man, I tell you, um, when you lay down, mark that so I remember where I'm at. When you lay down some bad thinking because of the way maybe you were raised or what you were taught, I'm going to tell you why it's so hard to drop some of that thinking is because some of the people that taught you those things, they didn't do it maliciously. And, and we loved them and they loved us. And the reason we accepted this truth is because they wouldn't lie to us. Um, and I'm saying they may have taught, Granny may have taught me the best that Granny knew how. But there's the possibility that Granny could have been wrong. That's not a disrespectful um, statement. It's just understanding that there were times in my life that Granny loved me and I loved Granny. So surely Granny wouldn't lie to me. Well, Granny wasn't lying outright. Granny just didn't have a knowledge of God's word. And when we come to this, I want you, the reason I'm saying that is I don't want you to get in condemnation over looking at truth and accepting truth because you're not rejecting the love of your family and friends or those that taught you that. It's just you're coming into a greater understanding of the manual that God's given us to live life and to win in life. And believe it or not, Granny would have wanted you to accept truth. There's some of this revelation right here that Granny would have liked to known. And so it's just a seed sown uh, that every generation's getting better. Every generation's, Granny's still saved. Granny's still in heaven. I'm going to meet Granny one day. But Granny had to come, I guarantee you, she came, when she came into the fullest of the knowledge of Christ on that day, she found out some of those things that she taught little Johnny boy went right. I still love my granny, but granny could have been wrong. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say there is this. When we lay down some of these things, sometimes that's a sacrifice, a living sacrifice that we have to make. But he said, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, in verse 2, it says this, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, if you, if, if you, I mean, I'm not going to try to encourage you to write in your Bible if you don't want to write in your Bible. But if you don't have a problem with that, I would underline that. The renewing of your mind that ye may prove, and that word prove there means to discern, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So as I was writing this out, if God's will is happening regardless of what I do or say, then why would Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tell us to renew our minds and discern what God's perfect will is? If everything that is happening to me is the will of God, why do I need mind renewal and why do I need discernment? <clears throat> we need mind renewal and discernment because you may discover through the knowledge of God's word that some of the things that are happening to you are not God's plan for you. I used sickness a while ago. If Isaiah 53 and 5 and 1 Peter 2 and 24 tells us that Christ took those stripes for our healing, and by his stripes I am healed, or you were healed, then the truth is this. If sickness comes against me, is it God putting that on me? Would he have his son pay a debt for our, on our behalf for you to consistently have to live in sickness. 
Does that mean that sickness will never come against you? No. Uh, does it mean that whenever I, if I break my, you know, having uh, whatever this is, I'll just, I'll just say cold. Um, faith is not saying I don't have a cold when I have a cold. That's called lying. But faith says, okay, I may have a cold right now, but by his stripes I'm healed. I'm not staying here. That's the attitude that we need to take when it comes to fulfilling God's word and not just accepting the thought that, hey, I'm pulling up to the line. If it's sickness, when I hike the ball, then it was God's will. That's not true because why do I need mind renewal of the scriptures and I need to have discernment of the scriptures so that I can prove what God's will is, will is if everything that is happening to me is the will of God. So that was just a thing in my personal life that I was really having a problem with uh, before. And when I say came here, um, I mean just in this transition of my life, of all these questions that all of a sudden you would hear teachings, teachings like this, and it was like the light came on. And you begin when, when God comes in and shines a light on your situation, all of those dark corners of religious darkness begin to become enlightened and you begin to see truth. And truth begins to manifest in your life. Um, so I have to ask myself that question. Why do I need mind renewal? Why do I need discernment if everything that has happened to me is the will of God? And that's not true. And we'll get to some more things here in a second. Um, <clears throat> Because if everything that's happened to me, why do I need to know the will of God? Um, why do I need to pray? Think about that. And people don't understand this. Sometimes praying is hard work. It's hard work. But why do I need to pray if whatever is going to... And when somebody calls up and says, I want you to be in agreement over whatever. And I'm thinking, if you really believe in the quote-unquote sovereignty of God... Why am I spending my valuable time praying whenever God's going to do whatever God's going to do anyways? Why do I need to know the Word of God? Why am I coming to church? Why am I even trying? Why am I even confessing Jesus Christ as my Lord if there's this probability that God's already got hell predetermined for me? See, this is the part where they say, put your nose back down to the grind and quit asking questions. Because you're about to bring us all into responsibility. You're about to bring us all into responsibility, and we don't want to be responsible. We'll get to that here in just a minute. Um, so many people do believe in the thing called the sovereignty of God. Now, I want to say this. Um, as far as end-time events, the rapture, the day of the Lord, um, end time, you know, prophecies, yes, I do believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe those, there are some things that are happening uh, end times, just everything winding down, what we read in the book of Revelation. You couldn't stop it if you wanted to. But I'm talking about the day-to-day -day things in our life that people believe if it wasn't God's will, then it wouldn't be happening. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Still with me? I remember here, as you're turning there, I remember hearing that the first time, is if God's will's being done, why am I praying? I thought, hmm, well, you talking about hitting a religious nerve. Uh, that one kind of hair lit me for a little bit, because I was like, Phew. 
This is going against, I mean, and it goes, it's going against people that love me were teaching me. And I felt like I was, I wasn't just rejecting truth. I was rejecting everybody. And here's old John the rebel over here, just got everything all figured out, you know. And I hate that mentality is, you know, who, who knows everything, right? And I didn't want to look like one of those people, but I, I didn't want to remain ignorant just to remain ignorant because it satisfied everyone else. Uh, Matthew chapter, <laughs> boy, this stuff is flowing. <laughs> I hope it's, <laughs> we'll find out in staff meeting tomorrow. <laughs> no. Uh, Matthew 6, uh, verses 9 and 10. Uh, Jesus said this, After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Here we go again. Why would Jesus be teaching them to pray if everything was just happening willy-nilly, you know? Uh, After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Let's stop right there. So, now I underlined, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And, and here's, let me, let me say this very quickly. For some of you that know this already, I want you to understand we don't need to just assume everyone knows. Okay? We don't need just assume that everyone knows this. We got a lot of new people here. I'm still new people. I, I, I feel like, and still in the learning process. Well, we're all in the learning process, Right? Uh, who knows everything, like I said before. That's why even the deals with denominational arguments. I'm like, who's doctrinally correct? I mean, if we know in part, and we're, what's being brought to us is the Holy Spirit reveals things, who, why, who's right? Maybe God's sending you over there to get everybody up to speed. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Well, let's think about this. What's going on in heaven? Um, is there any sickness in heaven? No. Well, let's, let's, let's go ahead and back up a minute. Would, you, would it be fair to say that even in um, non-religious thinking, secular thinking, that heaven is this place where everything is perfect, right? right? Yeah. Could we be in agreement on that? Yeah. And we know that it is by Scripture. Everything's right. Everything is right. So is there any sickness in heaven? Um, is there any disease in heaven? Is there any poverty in heaven? Is anybody getting murdered in heaven? Anybody getting raped in heaven? Any sexual immorality going on in heaven? Okay. So let's look at another verse. Second Peter three and nine. So we've already determined None of that stuff is going on in heaven. I'm not going to let the awkwardness of this silence here bother me. Second <laughs> <laughs> Peter 3 and 9, are you there? Yeah. All right, praise God, yeah. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. Why aren't you thankful for that? But is long-suffering to usward. And I underline this, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, we, we predetermined, or we, we determined beforehand that there is no sickness, there is no disease, poverty, famine, murder going on in heaven. 
And it says right here that he's not willing that any should perish. Well, I'd ask this question. Is there sickness going on in the earth? Is there disease? Poverty? Famine? Murder? So could it be the possibility that God's sovereign will is not being done on this earth? Uh, In 2 Peter 3 and 9, he said, It's not his will that any should perish. Are there people perishing? Is everyone coming? And he said that all should come to repentance. Is everyone coming to repentance? Well, it says right here, it's his will. There are some things that are happening that are not God's will. And we could go on a lot of scriptures, but for time's sake, we're not going to do that. Because really, how many... If, I remember hearing Pastor Tom on a, on a video. He said, if it says it one time anywhere, he said this in the mouth of two or three witness stuff. He said, well, I know the Bible says that, but he said, if God says it one time, it's good. So, but we've got two scriptures here that are helping us to understand that everything that is happening on this earth is not the will of God. So... This is not a statement that is trying to discredit God. Because that's where the, the sovereign movement looks at people that would ask these questions and read scripture on this and say, you're trying to discredit God. But this is the, the reality of it. This gets the spotlight off of God for something that he isn't even doing. God's not running around making people sick. God's not running around uh, influencing people to murder somebody. Or, uh, you know, I've even heard a person say one time that, that you know, they come out of, a, how do I say this? They were a product, a product of a sexual assault. He said, it just must have been God's will because I'm here. Well, he's here, but I can guarantee you God did not institute that. At, at all. I mean, I know that God can take something bad and make it good. Can we say that? But that doesn't mean that God woke that guy up one day and said, go over there and sexually assault that woman because I need this child to be on the earth. Right. He's not going to do that. That's, that's out of his character. It's out of his word. Right. It goes against his character. It goes against his MO. It goes against everything. When the Bible says that he's good and there is no evil in him, that everything good comes down from the Father of lies of whom there is no variableness, we can't contradict the word of God whenever God's word is saying something completely different. Yeah, that's right. So... What this does is gets the spotlight off of God for something that he isn't even doing. And this is, what, this is exactly what the enemy doesn't want. It shines the spotlight on the real enemy, yes. him. Yes. Let's keep the spotlight on God. Let's keep people asking, well, where's God at in this situation? If God loves me, why didn't he stop this? Where was God in this? Where was God in that? And the devil's over in the corner you know, with his, I don't know if he's got a mustache, but you know, in the cartoons, like, <laughs> you know, he's twisting his mustache, you know? And I'm like, why does nobody ever try to blame the devil? If things are happening in my life, that at least to step back and take a look at it, not just hike the ball, but let's go back. Okay, God, what's the play here? Let's look at the playbook. What's going on here? Because we're going to find out here in a little bit, some things may just be our own doing. But this is where John 10.10 comes in so powerful. And I don't know for years I'd read across this, and I guess it's just being religiously ignorant and living in religious darkness. Um, John 10.10, 10, 
I'm going to read this like you've never read it before or heard it. It says, the thief. Who's the thief? It says in King James Version here, cometh not. That means he only has one thing that he, he's got, only got one purpose in mind. He wants to steal from you. If he had it his way, he'd kill you and he will destroy you. And Jesus is over here saying, Hey, I've come to give you life and more life more abundantly. Um, so it's like, why is that so hard for us to grasp hold of? Well, it's because sometimes we put the blinders on and we don't want to look at the whole picture because we don't want to look at somebody that's questioning God when all through the scriptures you'll find God never had a problem with anybody asking a question. It's all in the heart of how you're asking it. You know, sometimes I have asked God for wisdom. God, give me wisdom on this. Give me wisdom on this matter. That's not discrediting God. That's not angry at God. That's not accusing God. That's just saying, give me a revelation of what's going on here. But people will go as far as to say, well, God allowed it. As if the paper come across his desk and he put his stamp of approval on it. Well, does God know it's happening? Yeah, God knows it's happening. But he's not over there putting his stamp of approval on it because God, how can God allow By his design, keeping in mind, by his design, what he doesn't have control over. Genesis 1 and 26, it said, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So by reading this, who would you say, and just, you don't have to answer out loud, it looks like to me that God never had the plan or the idea to micromanage anyone. But sometimes we feel like we're this walking through life and we're these puppets on the string and we're just, I want to tell you another one I hate. Maybe hate is a strong word. Um, the, The picture of God and the devil playing chess over somebody. I hate that. That's just so not not descriptive of what's going on there. Um, Whenever um, God made the earth and gave it to man, it was his gift to us and said, you conquer it, you subdue it, you have dominion over it. Well, see, this is the area that the enemy doesn't want you knowing. He wants to keep you in the dark on this thing because he doesn't ever want to get it in your mind that you just might have some authority. He, he wants to keep you in the dark of thinking, wait a minute, I don't have to lay down and let the devil run over me roughshod every day. I can stand up in the authority of the word of God that he's given me and it says, by his stripes I'm healed. Paul said this, he said, we believe, therefore we speak. And we say what God's word over our situation 
And not just so we can say what God's word says over our situation, but that produces the result that you're looking for. The power of life and death are in the tongue. Those that love it will eat the fruit of it. So what I'm saying will be, become a reflection and it will become a manifestation of what is working in my life. And people will say this, yeah, but I've been standing on that. Well, what does the Bible say? When you stand, stand therefore. So when you stand the second time, now you're getting scriptural. I said that when you keep standing, you're getting scriptural. So we keep standing on what God's word says, and we don't look at the situation to determine the outcome because we didn't determine at the beginning what the end result is going to be. The belief of the sovereignty of God takes away the truth that I am the one that is responsible for what's happening in my life. Because you know what? I've got to go home today... Dylan, and I've got to look in the mirror and see the one that's the majority responsible what's going on in my life. And this is, this is the great hamstringing of the sovereignty movement is I don't want to be responsible. When really the responsibility would bring you into freedom. Romans 6 and 16 says this, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants, you, <laughs> you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So, God and the enemy need a willing agent to operate on the earth. And it really bothers, uh, bothered me the first time I heard that God just can't walk in here willy-nilly. Because I felt like I was, could God do it? Yes, but will he do it? No, because he will not violate his word. God is a true man of his word, or true spirit of his word, I guess I should say. He's not a man. But we look at these things, and then we have to say, okay, maybe some of the things that are operating in my life is because, and really would go back to what we're talking about today, is yielding to ignorance. Yielding to ignorance is what's going to keep you from living the winning life that God has provided for you because you don't know the Word of God because we're just all under the assumption that whatever happens is going to happen. Que sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. We're just going to roll up to the line and hike the ball and whatever happens is supposed to happen. And people will say, and I've even thought today, well, there are a lot of things that have happened to people that they had no control over. And that certainly is a truth. But we don't need to... We don't need to limit what the Spirit can actually be doing in our life. Like the depth of knowing His voice. Of really being able to hear the Spirit of God when He says, don't go over there. Don't turn here. Now, I know that's a little bit... It might be a little bit... That might be some Wednesday night in-depth stuff. I don't know. But you can get so close to God that you just get this unction, don't go there today. Don't turn right there. I heard this from Keith Moore, so if you don't want to believe me, surely be Brother Keith. And I titled, I titled it so I would remember it, Keith Moore and the Faith Lady. And he said when he went to Ramah that his first job was answering the phones, prayer line, people needing prayer. And a lady called, and he said she had just been assaulted. She was hurt. And 
he, you know, he said, Lord, I, it was my first phone call. You know, I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh, you know, and in myself, I'm praying, God, I don't know what to say. You know, I don't know what to do. This, this woman's hurt. And she said, well, you know, and he, of course he said, are you okay? You know, do we, you know, do you call some ambulance or something? She's like, no. She said, I think I'm going to be all right. But she said, the main thing that's bothering me, she said, I'm a faith person. I quote Psalms 91 over my life every day. And this happened to me. I don't understand. And he said, well, it was a valid point. He said, I, in my mind, I was, I was searching, you know, then I'm like, Lord, I really do need some help uh, on answering this. And he, he said he got something down in his spirit, said, ask her why she went over there. And so he just, you know, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, at that point, he's grasping for anything. So he, he asked her, said, so what were you doing? You know, where were you at? Why were you over there? She said, well, I went over to the mall, you know, because that was where she was at when, when the assault happened. And she said, I was over there. Uh, but she said, you know, early in the day, I got a check in my spirit about not going over there. You see, the Holy Spirit is not going to grab you by the shirt collar and make you do any, whatever happened. Because a lot of people would say, well, must have been God's will. When the Holy Spirit's saying, don't go over there today. Now, I know that's a little bit deep, but I needed to say that for some people that are maybe God's trying to take you to that level. Can I say that? Is we need to be so sensitive that we're hearing what God is saying and keeping us out of those situations. What if God, things happen and God was like, I spent all day trying to get you to not go over there. I kept telling you that, don't go over there. So the level of responsibility that we need to take, and I know some, you know, that may not even be an absolute, but I just said that for somebody. Um, and a couple of points here and, and I'll be done. And I think it goes back to what I said earlier, the reason the enemy wants to keep you in the dark of knowing God's plan for your life is it keeps the spotlight off of him and keeps you blaming God. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. I, I know I've got family members that have, they don't believe. And, and, they're, and they'll, they'll give situations to say, where was God? And before I didn't have an answer other than, well, you know, we just have to trust him and his ways are higher than our ways. And we just need to trust his plan and, you know, it happened for a reason and somehow or another God's going to be glorified through all this. And the reality is God didn't have anything to do with that. And I thought so many times I wish I would have known that then to tell him because he's so hard, this person's so hard against God that I'd love to tell him all the things that's been happening to you, God didn't have anything to do with it. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, to rescue you and give you a winning life. Not to keep you down and in the mully grubs. And the bad things happen to you. And the reason the enemy wants him to believe that, and the reason that we don't need to stay in religious darkness, and that might be for someone here, that might be for somebody that's listening to this on the radio right now, or somebody that's watching this on TV. The reason that we don't need to stay in religious darkness is there are people out there that are searching for answers. And they need to know that God's not behind all the destruction that's happened in their life. It's the devil. And if you know God's word, and that's the whole importance of the thing, you've got to know God's word. Uh, I don't tell people to read their Bible just because it's what pastors or you know, ministers tell people to do. It's just, it's not, I mean, we don't talk about, you know, well, how many, how many times in our sermon do we need to encourage people to read their Bible? 
well, you need to read your Bible because you need to know what God's Word says about your situation. You need to know the game plan. That would be the same as the quarterback telling the coach, I don't need to do that. Man, you know, I'm going to hike the ball. Whatever happens, it's just going to happen. Well, he'll be on the bench for too long. Still be a quarterback. Just won't be playing. Won't be winning. He'll just be sitting on the sideline. But we need to go, we need to know God's word. Then you know the game plan for winning. And I love this, not just in the life to come, but that this life also. And that's the, that is the preconceived idea is we're going to wait to get to heaven in order to live heaven. And the reality is in 2 Peter 1 and 3, I'll read this real quickly. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So God uh, didn't see, send Jesus just to save us so we can have a good life to come. He also paid the price for us to live a good life right now. And I realize this today that a lot of stuff is happening in the world today. Everything's getting loud. Everything is, um, if you watch the news, I heard a guy say yesterday, um, people, uh, and by October, most Americans will not have any money in their savings account. I thought, well, I put some in there yesterday, so apparently um, that's not true for everybody. It depends on whose story you're reading. This is not my world. And I mean, I'm, I'm USA... I mean, I'm red, white, and blue. I stand for the flag. I kneel for the cross, all that. I am through and through. But I tell you something today. I'm not waiting for the U.S. economy to get right in order for me to live in the blessings of God. I'm not sitting around waiting for the USA to get right for me to be able to enjoy the blessings of God. Uh, I don't care who takes over. The Word of God says this, that if I seek Him first and His righteousness, all these things will be added unto me. Not if... Who's in office? Whew, I'm glad I bit my tongue there. <laughs> Man, that, that'll get you real good at your church. Let's stand, would you? Father, I pray today that each and every person here, first of all, God, that they don't know you, at some point in this day, Father, that they'll just cry out to you. And Lord, that they just believe in their heart, confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they'll receive them into your life, into their life. But I pray also, God, today for those here today that are, have been living below, Father, what you have already paid for them. That, Father, this was a revelation to them. And will cause them, Father, to look deeper into the Scriptures. That will uh, cause them to look deeper, Lord, into a walk with the Holy Spirit. To be led by the Spirit and not to be led by the flesh. And that we can get a greater understanding, God, that you've called us to win in life. And to live victoriously and to live the abundant life. And I pray, God, that this word would go with them. That they receive this into their spirit. God, that it's going to change them. And not just them, but the generations after them, Father, and their children, and their children's children. God, all for your glory. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.